Hi, and welcome to Helpful Histories, where me and my friends, or as one of them likes to say, the history dummies, their words, not mine, ask and answer all the things you ever wanted to know about history. Today, it's me and my friend Beth, as we talk about Henry VIII and his first two wives, Catherine of Aragon and Anne Boleyn. This is part one of two, so stay tuned next week for part two. So today, I have my friend Beth with me. Say hi, Beth. I, I like that I've been introduced as a friend and not as your boss. Oh, sorry. I apologize. <laughs> my boss, uh, you can't see my fingers when I'm doing the quotes. My boss, Beth. Hi. Do you, sorry, just going in front of her. Do you not consider us friends? <laughs> okay. I feel like you should call me on the radio, like start it off. As... Yeah. Oh, I should. Okay. Julie to Beth. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> For people at work, they'll get that and they'll think, oh, so funny, but, but not really. So today, Beth chose wanted to do this topic. You're very excited. Why did you want to? Because you watched the Tudors. Uh, no, I haven't even watched it. Oh, I thought you had watched Oh them. my goodness, no, they're dirty brutes. That's why I don't... <laughs> like, we learned about it at school and Henry VIII and all, but, like, there's so much more about it, but I always just think they're absolutely dirty brutes. Well, you're right, and if you'd watched the TV show, that would have been good. <laughs> that's probably why it's not really my type of thing. <laughs> okay, so that's why we decided we're going to do... There's obviously a lot to talk about with the tutors, uh, too much to put in one, ep- in one episode. So we're going to talk about probably the bit that people maybe are most interested in and maybe know the most about. So I thought it would be a good segue into it. And that's about Henry VIII and his many, many wives. Yeah, but I thought I knew about Henry VIII and his many, many wives until you sent me some information <laughs> about it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about the shooters. That's okay, you don't All have I to. All I know is the bit that everybody knows. Divorced, beheaded, died. died. Divorced, beheaded, beheaded survived. survived. I couldn't remember that there. That's really bad for me. Okay, well, yes, we'll get to it. So today we're talking about divorced and beheaded, number one and two. <laughs> the six wives of Henry VIII are almost as famous as a man himself. So much so that the popular rhyme that Beth and I just tried to do uh, developed to describe them. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. But even her that survived didn't end very well for But we'll get to her one day. So today we're going to look at the first and second wives of Henry and they're arguably the most famous and important. Catherine of Aragon, who's number one divorced, and Anne Boleyn, who's number two, spoiler alert, <laughs> beheaded. Seems wrong to laugh and say the word know, beheaded. But it's not like they're real. You think that they're not real people. They're uh, just like cartoons I know they something. do, but sadly they were very real in some cases. Not some cases they were real, just sad, <laughs> some of them. So the relationships Henry VIII had with these women changed the course of English history probably relative to European history and certainly cemented his place in infamy. Catherine of Aragon, wife number one, was born on the 16th of December, 1485, in a place I can't pronounce, but I will try. Alcalia de Hernares. We should have probably like Googled it before. Every time I look at it, I just Basically, think it's like Alicante. I still, she was born in Alicante near Madrid, apparently. But basically, she was born near Madrid, and she was the daughter of the famous Catholic monarchs, Ferdinand and Isabella, who were an extremely powerful couple. Ferdinand was king of Aragon, and Isabella was queen of Castile in her own right. And they're getting married, kind of created modern-day Spain that we know it now. It used to be different kingdoms, and when they married, they brought it together. Mm -hmm. So they were a big, big, big deal. Her parents were known as the Catholic monarchs, because they expelled the last Muslims from Spain during a period that was known as the Reconquista, 
were the Iberian Christians. So Iberia is that peninsula that's Spain and Portugal. Yeah. And they took back the land from the occupying Muslim forces. This gave the couple a really, really high good reputation in Europe. And as a result, Catherine's sisters and her brother made advantageous marriages and she was not going to be an exception to that rule. Was there many of them? Like, were yes. they co-creating on purpose? Not loads. Well, yeah. But not loads. I think she had, she definitely had three sisters and a brother, but they all died quite youngish. Definitely the brother dies before he can be the king of Spain. And mm. it actually causes a lot of problems because her oldest sister then becomes the queen but she is declared mad okay. although she isn't probably mad by today's standards yeah so then that causes a lot of problems and a lot of wars but that's probably it was just like having a bad period and then the Britain <laughs> yeah, pretty much she was mad basically i think what happened to her was she had a wee bit of a mental breakdown when her husband died which is fair enough yeah. like most people would and he hadn't been quite the nice husband but she was obsessed with him okay and then he died and she kind of had a wee mental break and then they never really let her come Aww. back yeah it's not good it's actually not nice the way people are written in the history like that especially mm-hmm. women as well oh she's literally known as juana la luca so joanna oh, the mad really yeah and she definitely i'm not saying she definitely didn't ha- she definitely had a mental break but i definitely wouldn't say mad i'm sure she did other things like but that's what's yeah. gone down. Well, she history. didn't really get to do other things. She was kind of locked up after that for the rest of her life. Oh my goodness. By right, her son. Let's move on because that'll just... Make you angry. Yeah. Yeah. So Catherine and her sisters had a really good education in particular at the time. Her mother was very, very uh, concerned about this because she didn't have one. She didn't want her daughters to grow up like that. So she studied Bible, classics, and a certain amount of law. But she also learned traditional female arts like dancing, music uh darning of shirts that was something that would actually be kind of important later when she marries henry she made his shirts from isabella for example she had actually made ferdinand's shirts so catherine would later get on with this and it actually causes problems between <laughs> it does catherine would do this when she was kind of getting divorced from henry the eighth and anne boleyn didn't like it oh right okay so it actually caused a lot of problems this shirt business so catherine actually is raised from a young age yes to expect to be the queen of england but not to henry the eighth she was actually negotiated to be married to his older brother at the time, Arthur, Prince of Wales, before she was even two years old. She's eventually betrothed to him in 1497 when a proxy marriage took place in May 1499. So a proxy marriage, we talked about it in the Marie Antoinette episode, so anybody who doesn't know, a proxy marriage is when you, and it is considered legally binding mm-hmm. at the time. So in this case, the bride marries someone who stands in for the groom and the right. groom okays this and right. says, okay, yes, I agree for him to be my representative. So they get married in a ceremony and then that is considered legal. And right. sometimes they would have done a bedding ceremony where they would put the girl into a bed and then the proxy groom, who was quite often like the girl's brother or uncle or something, would have put a leg into the bed and that would count as... Oh, uh, why have I... Because I listened to your other podcast, that's why yeah. I've heard of that before. See, listen to the rest. Yeah, so. you learn things. Yeah. Um, yes, so that would have counted. But yeah, basically your brother's leg would be inserted into the bed. This didn't happen everywhere with every marriage, but that was something that could happen. But So basically the important point is a proxy marriage is proper. Yeah. But when they arrive in England, when Catherine arrives in England in October 1501, aged only 16, so she's been engaged since she was two, she was proxy married at the age of roughly about 12, 13, 
And then at 16 years old, she goes to England and has a formal marriage. So they do always then do like a formal marriage between the two people to make it make sure nobody can say, oh, I was coerced into this or I was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they do that. That's all fine. Can we move a bit? Like, yeah. she's only 13 when she does the proxy marriage. So, like, that's pretty, you yeah. were saying about how she was learning law and making, mm-hmm. learning how, that was all. As a child, yes. Before the age of 13. Well, she'd have been doing it. As well at, as. Uh, yeah, as well as. I, I just think about my nephews who are that age and I can't really imagine that they'd be learning yeah. law and fixing shit. Yeah, exactly. And, you didn't really get, to, especially if you were royal, you didn't really, you weren't really ever a child. You yeah. kind of like a little mini adult. And they didn't have video games. Yes. I don't think that that's terrible. I'm not the you greatest know, lover of video games, so it's not, not saying that what they were doing is better, but I just don't understand them. But anyway, <laughs> that aside. So yeah, she comes, she's, so basically about the age of 16, she's already married. She can do some law and darn some shirts. She's, she's very exactly what she should have been she's very proper very beautiful as well actually which is something that doesn't really get talked about because people talk about her later and she's older and she's had mm-hmm. a lot of pregnancies to take a toll on her so she's actually considered very very beautiful at the time she's just got married to arthur so arthur is henry's older brother yeah who i, I don't think it's a surprise we'll all learn will die because obviously <laughs> henry becomes king but what happens when she marries him is really important. I cannot stress enough what it, how important this is. Obviously, after they get married, they're supposed to consummate the marriage. This maybe happened, maybe didn't happen. It's kind of this great mystery. Catherine always maintained that her and Arthur never slept together. Therefore, this technically meant that the marriage was not official because a marriage wouldn't be considered official until consummation, which means an annulment could happen official in the eyes of the church in the eyes of the church yeah and that was the you know you have to remember this time the church is law so that's that's really all that matters because if they had slept together then their marriage would be consummated and she would then technically by law and by law of the church be seen as henry's sister Mm -hmm. and not his sister-in-law they didn't really do sister-in-law it was sister so that's really important because obviously the church isn't gonna let you marry your sister yeah but even say if mm-hmm. he had passed mm-hmm. and she was a widow, yeah, is she allowed to remarry? So this comes up. Okay, don't worry, we're getting to that. Otherwise, it does. It's the Tudors. Yeah, <laughs> but I would like to point out that by the, like this happens in another part of Catherine's family, where one of her sisters marries King of Portugal. The marriage is consummated. That sister dies, and a second sister comes in and marries him. So they can bend the rules to yeah. suit when they want. So it's not a. It is a big deal, yes, if they'd slept together, but there are ways around it, even if they had. One of the reasons that people think that they didn't consummate the marriage, apart from Catherine saying we didn't do it, and she's not saying that she maybe didn't lie for to cover herself, mm-hmm. but she is really religious, very, very religious. So it, my personal perspective is it would be very hard for somebody that religious to come out with such a blatant yeah. lie. And then because... why would she? Because why would she at this stage henry wasn't king no so why would she have wanted he's well, not like the better brother well although the, don't they say that he was actually quite oh yeah he was definitely really handsome and really yeah, yeah like proper but everybody prince. just remembers him as his portrait exactly later life yes yeah, exactly like, but he, he wasn't like that with. until actually really the last years of his life to be honest he was actually very active and supposed to be very handsome but the problem with that theory is they don't talk about the consummation until after he's already dead. 
So he's not there to answer for himself. I was going to say that he didn't argue. Well, so Arthur um, claims that they consummated the marriage. So he says before his death. Now you have to remember these are two like 16 year olds. Let's just remember that. He bragged supposedly that he had been in Spain. Uh I'm sure I don't need to explain that to you. You got that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. So according to him, they consummated the marriage but he's a 16 year old boy who wants everyone to think like i'm the big i am and so apparently he was saying like basically he needed to get a drink quick because he was so parched that he'd been in spain all night and yeah Uh (laughs) maybe he thought he had but he well that's not impossible because he got to like france (laughs) (laughs) oh i hope that's that's hilarious i hope so but again she says no definitely didn't happen and it's very possible that it didn't happen because it was quite common enough that they didn't consummate it on the marriage night these people don't know each other they're very young to be fair like I think she would know about it I mean I think she would know and I just I know what she could have lied but I don't know something tells me she didn't lie it was also felt possible that you know people around them would have necessarily have expected it right away because they were so young and they would have felt had she maybe even got pregnant that young could have damaged her health so there would have been people who maybe said you know don't consummate it right away because Henry the Seventh, who is the father of Arthur and Henry the Eighth, mm-hmm. his mother was only twelve when she got married, uh-huh. which was quite common. But usually, then they would wait to consummate it because they're so young. Yeah. Her husband didn't. Right. She got pregnant right away. <gasps> was thirteen when she had the child, and the pregnancy and the birth damaged her so badly that she never got pregnant again, or even so much as conceived, let alone had another child. Oh my goodness. Now, luckily for her, she had the one child and he became king, so it worked out for her, but it was a horrendous, horrific. So it was very common for them to actually say, no, don't don't do this right away, because there's actual, you know, they knew enough from the evidence to know. But, as I say, a lot of people think Arthur was just kind of, didn't want to look like he hadn't done the deed. I didn't, well, I'm, I'm basing this now on, like, programs off tv mm-hmm. so probably not even real but didn't they sleep in separate rooms oh yes yes i've yes. also been to castles and things where yeah they do it's that's a more like queens. a modern thing where husbands and wives share bedrooms now yeah. oh well outside of obviously like poor people had to share bedrooms because they had nowhere yeah. but yeah that's very much a modern day thing like even at catherine and henry the eighth when they're married for the first 20 years are like genuinely in love pretty mm-hmm. much and they they only share a bed down sex they don't yeah they have their own chambers that's a very normal thing so that's not and own bathrooms and everything everything like... yeah everything was separate like you had like the queen's apartments and the king's apartments and that would have been the case in all like noble houses you would have like the duke's apartments and the duchesses yeah. they didn't share no i and anyone who knows me knows that i think that's the best situation of all time i was gonna say maybe people are doing it wrong now i think we're doing it wrong now i need my own bed my own room and definitely my own bathroom <laughs> there are witnesses on her side of the argument that say nope definitely wasn't consummated there are witnesses on his that obviously say yep no it was he came out and he told us so the truth will not no one will ever really know but the reason it's so important is because later during the divorce trial henry the eighth will say that the consummation of this marriage meant that it was a full valid marriage and therefore that was his sister and obviously it's wrong for you to have a relationship to have a marriage to have a child with your sister but as i said before that's kind of clutch at straws because other people have got what's called a papal dispensation to get around that very thing yeah and he actually uses it later against Anne Boleyn as well because he her older sister was his mistress yeah and he uses it later to be all ah, I can't know you because when it suits him yeah oh Henry VIII is the king <laughs> and literally the king of what suits him 
Arthur dies very young. He gets uh, an illness around 1502 and he dies relatively quickly. Catherine does get sick, but she survives. But obviously they've only been married for really just over a year. It's a very short period of time. She doesn't have really anything established in the country. She's this foreign princess and she's in a wee bit of a limbo. She is technically now what's known as the Dowager Princess of Wales. So basically, to put it into modern, Charles right now is the Prince of Wales. And even though we don't call her that, Diana, or Diana, that's awkward. Camilla, <laughs> Camilla is the Princess of Wales. Yeah. And if he died tomorrow, she would be the Dowager Princess right, of okay. Wales. So that's what Catherine is at the, the minute. Oh. The equivalent. So it's basically, you're not the Princess of Wales anymore because there's no prince. But you attain that status and you'll never sort of go back down. Yeah. So they put, if you watch Downton yeah. Abbey, the, well, if you watch Downton Abbey, listeners, the Countess of Grantham is the one that's married to the current Count, or sorry, the current Earl, but his mother is known as the Dowager Countess because she used to be the Countess. Right, okay. But she's no longer the current one, but they have still, she still has a title. She still has yeah, a big. It's a bit like the Queen Mother. It's exactly what the Queen Mother is. The Queen Mother was the Dowager Queen, but she was quite smart and created her own title. Yeah. The Queen Mother is actually probably the best example. Her parents, who are Ferdinand and Isabella, the very, very powerful couple, still want her to be the Queen of England because it's an important position. So they want her to marry the new heir, who's going to be Henry VIII. So he's dead now? No, not Henry VIII. No, no. Arthur. Arthur. Arthur he's now. gone. He he gone. He died. He died in Wales. It's very. His parents are very devastated. It is very, it's a very sad time. But for her, she's only known him for a year. They're not... I mean, nobody really knows, to be honest, if they really liked each other or what the situation was. I think they got on, but it wasn't any great love affair. Henry, who's younger than Catherine. Right. We're not talking like crazy amounts of years, but about 68 years, roughly, depending on birth dates. He is kind of obsessed with her from the day she comes to marry his brother. He actually is the one that like gave her away up the aisle and is like obsessed with her. So obsessed with her in the way that a younger brother would be of their Yes, but also he is genuinely Spanish girlfriend. Yes. But I do think he genuinely has this idea. So Henry VIII's really romantic in a lot of ways. He thinks that like a man should come in and save the damsel in distress. Right. So he would see her as this beautiful woman who's now in a distressing situation and needs rescued. Yeah. So it's all perfect for him. And he decides, yes, I very much want to marry her. And she is a good catch in terms of, obviously, she's beautiful, she's young. She comes from a fertile stock, which is really important. Her connections. Her connections are what make her most She's right desirable. there. <laughs> she's right there. She's available. Yeah. But she's in a country she doesn't know. No, she's really young. She needs someone to look after. She's I, probably already, like, living mm, in their yeah. palaces. So. Well, Henry's, like, so he's, like, a younger teenager at this time. So everything's very romantic to him. And he's, like, yes, yeah, great. The problem, though, comes from his father because there's a few obstacles for him to marry her. First of all, they need a papal dispensation, even if the marriage wasn't consummated because either way, Catherine and Arthur still walked down the aisle. So the Pope needs to basically sign off and say, that's okay, I allow this. Which is fine. The Pope never says no to kings at this point. So that's fine. The other problem is he is quite young as I said at this stage and nobody wants him to rush into anything or to go ahead without seeing what else is out there basically because positions obviously change and they want to see who else is maybe available. The real problem though is this there was an issue with her diary which is basically the bride price so what her parents paid when she went over hadn't all been paid 
So Henry the Seventh, who was like this famous titart, yes, was really pissed off. And this actually went on for four years since Arthur died. For four years, she was living in this limbo. She was nearly living in poverty at one point because her parents didn't want to give the money. Yeah. And he didn't want her then to marry his son until he knew he was definitely yeah. going to get money out of her. Yeah, and he wasn't going to give her any money because he was... Yeah, why not- would he? He wasn't broke, though. He was rich. He was just tight. He was extremely rich. The reason that Henry VIII gets to do all the things he does without giving a crap yeah. are because his father was so tight with money. I read about that, yes. that he made England really, actually quite a rich country. Really wealthy, but by being tight as fuck. Yeah, but then Henry came along oh, spent and it just all. got on like a, a rich bachelor. Mm. They, couldn't, they could not be more different as people, really. Henry VIII and his father are yeah. very different people. There's um a lot more of his... So Henry VIII's mother, uh, we should say, was called Elizabeth of York. And her father had been king during the Wars of the Roses. The king's ship mm-hmm. kept going back and forth and back and forth. And we will talk a wee bit about this later because it explains why Henry is so obsessed with having a son. But her father was kind of a notorious... Like, he was very popular, but he was a notorious ladies' man and a notorious kind of spender. So, yeah, I think he's he's got it from that side of the family. Oh, okay. It's more that side than the, yeah. the Tudor or side. rebelling against... Like, you could kind of imagine it modern day as well, you know? It's a little bit like the Prince uh, Harry, Prince William situation. Yeah. Because for years, he thought, I don't have to worry, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> be king. So he yeah. got to do whatever he wanted. But Brothers. then, I mean, like, the son... And the father mm. relationship, so the dad, maybe in modern day, it would be having a good business and yes, making then, a lot of money for the family. The and maybe came from nothing. Yeah, that's then pretty the much son what Expects happened. it and comes along and spends all the money. And yeah, that's pretty much pretty much exactly what goes on over the later years. The only thing is, Henry the Seventh made so much money that even when Henry the Eighth dies, the country is still in a obviously not as good, but there's still plenty of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Henry the Eighth really goes on like a lifelong rampage of spending and wrecking and oh he loves a bit of wrecking like women monasteries <laughs> he loves a bit of wrecking poor Catherine she is in an awful limbo so what she does is she puts herself forward as her father's ambassador in England for a time because that's a position it comes with money and it gives her a wee bit more of a sound it's a really smart idea really yeah. good thing to do and her father agrees Henry the seventh finally dies and Henry VIII becomes king and he decides no I'm I'm not having any other woman he has stayed he as I said before he's a very romantic notion of her so they get married in 1509 just after he's become king they have a very traditional marriage for the most part and both are quite happy with this and Catherine plays her part very well she knows basically that to be a queen you kind of have to turn a blind eye to certain things such as Henry's infidelity because she's been kind of brought up to expect that but he's also very attentive to her which probably makes it a wee bit easier for her because there are plenty of queens whose husbands don't bother with them full stop so she probably in some ways actually thinks well, I've got a good deal here I'm just thinking that there's not that many queens that are also your sister and your wife that's why it has to be doubly attentive has to be. yeah thank you sister wife um so for the most part I say for years they're quite happily they really are quite happily married and he really trusts her because he goes away to France in 1513. So Henry is obsessed with this idea of winning territory, especially in France, because the English royal family have maintained this claim that they are the rightful rulers of France from generations before. 
And also Henry's personal hero was Henry V, who was a king who conquered pretty much all of France. Mm-hmm. And then after he died, they lost it. So he's got this idea of, I'm going to win it all back. Right. So he's very obsessed with that. While he's away, the old enemy, as they're known, Scotland invade. Because anytime the king's away, they think, okay, yeah. it's weaker, so yeah. we'll get in there. So King James IV of Scotland uses this distraction of Henry being away to try and invade England, but was severely defeated at Flodden, all led by Catherine. Now, she wasn't there personally, although she did actually talk at one point about going. She organized it. She sorted it out, got the right men in place. And because she did so well, it made Henry look so good. And when he was killed, this is James IV, she sent part of his bloody coat to Henry as a trophy. And Henry was able to pray this about and be like, look how good we are. Look what my wife was able to do. So this is a big deal. This is yeah. a big, big deal. She actually apparently wanted to send his head, but thought, no, that's a step too far. Well, the being probably <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. As with all queens, there is one duty that's more important than any other. And that's to produce an heir. And this is really where their trouble comes from. Because in all other parts, they really are a match. They really do get on. Catherine has lots of pregnancy. She has pretty much no trouble conceiving at all. And she actually gave birth to six children. And some of which were boys who did live for short periods of time. We're talking a couple of months. So there are a few times when they think, oh, finally we have a male heir. But the child always gets sick and dies. Eventually they do have a child that survives mary the first but we will (laughs) we'll get her (laughs) catherine being the woman is blamed for all these failures because it's never a man's fault especially not the king it could never be his fault but the the child was already born and living and still her fault it's her fault she produced a sickly child is there anything suspicious about that like no no it's very common that but the nurse the nursing of the child you know after the birth not really, no. It's very, just very normal at this time. time to have, you know, that's the that's the, the thing about why they had such big families too. Obviously no birth control. Yeah. But also the more children you had, the more likely you were to have them survive. Yeah. So that's why, you know, that thing about an heir and a spare, it's never enough just to have an heir. What really didn't help with this and about the not having a healthy son was that Henry had an illegitimate son with his mistress, Bessie Ballant. In 1519. Is that her real name? That's her real name. In 1519. Like, she sounds so, like a hussy. Bessie oh, Blunt. that's unfortunate. She can't say no to the king. They're not allowed. I know. I'm not saying, like... Poor Bessie. She's, she was... I just... The name makes So, it, her like name a, would have been Elizabeth, but that would have been a common, okay. like, a common... Like, that Bess mean? would have been their version of, like, Bess, basically, what we'd say now. Yeah. Even though Beth is not I know, called I was Elizabeth, said, you have to use my... Beth is actually called Julie Beth. But all right, <laughs> she doesn't like people. she doesn't like to use Julie. Which, whatever. This child does survive till he's about seventeen, but obviously they don't know that at the time. So that makes it look worse because that is almost okay. like a cementing of oh Henry's not the problem. It yeah. Must be Catherine. And which... an Ill- illegitimate, illegitimate child mm-hmm. would never be allowed to be. Very rarely, there was talk about him making this son legitimate which a king can do you can kind of just create a thing and say yes but it is very frowned upon and it's really it would have caused probably a lot of problems if he had done it but there's rumors that he's going to do it but i think that's more people kind of rumor mongering against catherine than it is him you know seriously thinking i'm going to do this because he's still young and so is she so he still thinks oh you know i'm going to have a child hopefully well they've been married for 10 years was it 
by this stage by the when he has he's the, born yes more or less so they're not exactly that, a dire straits just yet but probably for back then oh well yeah we would have been thinking yeah they're they're not that's a long time they're not quite at the point of so by this point their head yes <laughs> by the time that this boy is born they have had their one surviving child so it okay. is proof of like no she can have a yeah. surviving child so it's not quite like oh it's all over but it's a bad omen nearly for Catherine of like oh no everyone's anyone who wasn't blaming me before yeah, it's gonna blame me now so as i say they have their daughter mary in 1516 she goes on to become the famous bloody mary the first mm-hmm. and there is a time when he kind of seems like okay i'm not gonna have any other children so i need to focus on her and he does genuinely do this and he thinks oh i have an opportunity here because she's a girl yeah so he thinks what i'll do is have her betrothed to her cousin charles v who is the holy roman emperor i cannot state enough or overstate how important he is what is a holy woman so charles by right of birth is the son of juana la luca who's catherine's sister yeah and her husband that died and then sent her into mental breakdown so he's the king of spain yeah which is massive empire at this time he's also the heir to all the habsburg lands which is also the other massive empire at this time okay so his parents marriage is a big deal yeah and then he becomes the Holy Roman Emperor. So what the Holy Roman Emperor is, it's like a church title. And they get elected. So you have to be like a king or a prince or a duke of whatever country. And you then take on all this Germanic territory as well when okay. you are elected as this. So it's a big deal on its own just to be that. Yeah. But he's also then the King of Spain. Yeah. And all the Habsburg lands. So like pretty much from like the Netherlands down to Spain into the middle of Germany, Austria, he's in charge of all of that. Okay. It's a big, big, big deal. He is probably the most powerful person in the world okay it's or definitely in europe maybe not obviously the new world isn't sort of in play yet at this point but definitely in the western world he is the most powerful person so it's a big deal and what's important is he's therefore as the son of juana luca catherine's nephew mm-hmm. so that's a big deal and he's mary the first cousin yeah and they have no qualms about cousins marrying yeah at this time that's yeah. that's actually considered a good thing so he thinks if I marry my daughter to this man, then my grandson, he would become literally the ruler of half of Europe. Yeah. Pretty much just not France. Yeah. And the rest of it. But he he's would... sure he's going to get France anyway. Oh, he mind, thinks. So. Yeah. So it's all good. He's going to get it all. For a little while, he thinks, okay, this is a good idea. But the problem is there's a massive age gap here. Mary's only two, whereas Charles is already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Charles is already like of marriageable age. He's much, much older. We're talking like upwards of twenties here. So oh my he, goodness! Yeah. So he doesn't want to wait. Obviously, why? Why would he? So he does agree at first because he thinks yes, it's a good idea. But then he realizes no because by the time she's even old enough to marry me, she still won't be old enough to consummate the marriage, yeah. and I need to have like he's, yeah. heirs. He needs to have heirs. So he breaks it off and actually marries another cousin, um, a Portuguese cousin. And from what I can remember, actually really loves her. Okay. So that's quite nice. But per Mary, she had a two year old Mary. Her two year old Mary. Married off. Yeah. So (laughs) that's not a good thing for Mary, though, because then he's like, oh, now my plan can't come to fruition. The reason, really, that Henry is so particularly worried about having a son is there are two. One is it is a thing. You're meant to have a son, and it makes you less of a man, nearly not to be able to produce a son and have a son. But Henry VIII's father 
won the throne by force, not by blood. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem. It's kind of complicated and it's a bit of a convoluted issue and I won't go into it all here. But Henry VIII's father was born from an illegitimate line of the King Edward III. Mm-hmm. Now, by the time it comes down to Henry VII, he is legitimate. It's yeah. not he himself is legitimate. But when the War of the Roses happens and there are so many kings and it changes this, that and the other, yeah. basically there's a final battle. And it's between Henry the Seventh and Richard the Third, mm-hmm. and Richard the Third's line is technically the correct line, right? Is that Richard the Third, the bad one, in vain. Vain. yeah, that's him <laughs> of rainbow fame. So they have a battle. Henry wins. Richard dies on the field, and so Henry takes the throne. Yeah. But if it went by blood, yeah, it well, if it went by blood, it would never went to Richard in the first place. But even after Richard, if it went by blood, the actual person who would be King is not a man, it's a woman, mm-hmm. and it's the woman Henry marries. Right, okay. So she was the daughter of Edward the Fourth, who was brother to Richard the Third. Who and Richard, if people know, like locked up the two sons of Edward the Fourth yes. in the tower yeah. and had them done away with. So she's their older sister. So she's actually the next person in line in terms of just pure out and out blood. And she's still about. She's still about. Henry's mother's really smart and knows that if he marries her, it really shores up his claim. So he does. He marries her. And it's supposed to be like, this is an end of the war. We're two different sides of the war and we're getting married and that'll fix it all. And it kind of does. So they get married and they have Arthur, Henry and a couple of daughters as well. Why did Richard not lock up the daughter in the tower too? Well, he can tried. Um, So he got the two sons, but the mother, who who had been the queen, Elizabeth Woodville, Take your children to sanctuary, which technically you can't remove anyone from. It would be a bad PR move to do. (laughs) They'd been there for a long time and actually it looked like Richard was going to do it. So she kind of sent her daughters to court to be like, okay, well, they're the princesses. So if you do anything to them, everyone will know it was you. So she sends them to court not long after that Richard dies anyway. There are a lot of rumours that Richard like is after his niece, like for marriage. Right. And might try and marry her himself, but he dies before anything can come to it. So then she's just sort of like this grand prize that the two mothers do get together and be like, no, this would be a really smart idea. And that's what they do. They get them married and then they have these children. But there's like a a sort of known thing in in history that a dynasty is never in more danger than it is when the second person's on the throne. Mm -hmm. Because the first person's been powerful enough to start it and win a war. The third person means it's kind of established a bit. The second person's where it's kind of dodgy. Right. So for Henry VIII, he's the second person because yeah, his father was a first. by default because his brother died. Yeah, exactly. Too. So it's kind of a catch-22 because through his mother, he's actually the right person in terms of blood. Yeah. But he got the kingship from his father, not his mother. And there are other people in the country who may have technically a better claim to the throne through a male line yeah. than him. It's like um, he's got imposter syndrome. Big style only. He genuinely thinks he is the shit. Oh, yeah. oh, he thinks he's the God's gift to men, women, and children. <laughs> this man, like he, no one has ever had more confidence in this man. If Henry doesn't have a son and he has a daughter, and you have to remember at this point, no woman has become has been Queen of England in mm. her own right. There was a very brief period of time where there was a woman called Matilda back in the early 1100s who was, she didn't ever get called Queen, she was called Lady of the English, and she was only Queen for a few months. And they booted her out. But that was during basically the first War of the Roses. It was called something yeah. else. But it was a very similar time. Yeah. So this country doesn't think that a woman obviously can do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal for him not to have a son. If he doesn't have a son, 
then there'll be no more tutors and that'll be his fault yeah so it is a big it is a genuinely big deal and that's partly a big part of what's driving his mentalness because he is crazy is it just obsessive about obsessive that? absolutely obsessive he doesn't want to be the person that ruins it is he obsessive about everything though she was saying yeah he's quite obsessive the french thing too yeah he's quite obsessive he like, definitely seems to be i always do think of him and maybe this is wrong but i think of him as like a petulant child he decides he wants something and if he cannot have it he will throw the biggest tantrum in the whole world until he gets it and he usually gets yeah, it yeah yeah that's pretty much how i describe him and obviously you have to remember he's the king and even when he was a prince he's not mm. used to being told no yeah and he was kind of the blue-eyed boy of his family as well so i don't think that helped like his grandmother who was notoriously hard on people like doted on him why was he the favorite i just think it was his personality he was quite like a charismatic person so i think that's why and he was the good looking kind of dashing one so i think everyone gravitated towards him so i don't think that helped he was never used to being told no that's for sure poor Catherine. she's had a lot of pregnancies a lot and they've taken a toll on her they've made her gain weight she's got a lot older looking she's not the young beautiful bride that she was which is yep, obviously young bride. yes yeah but henry as we know was into anything that moves <laughs> and he decides by around the year 1527 that maybe it's time to look into getting a new wife and he really believes he's not going to have any trouble with this. And actually, he does have reasons for that because popes usually kind of go along with kings. Yeah. Enter Anne Boleyn. As we all know, Henry and Anne, it's a big love story, but we kind of need to talk about how they met and how it became what it is. By 1527, they'd already met. They were basically a couple, and he is again obsessed with someone, and he decides, you know, okay. I'm trying to make this woman my mistress. She won't give in. She was very smart. She didn't give in. I now need to make her my wife because that's the only way I'm going to get her. So that begins a certain period of time where it's kind of known as the King's Great Matter. Oh, before we get to the King's Great Matter, we need to know a wee bit about the woman in charge here at this time, Anne Boleyn. And trust me, she's in charge of him at this time. So her birthday is really weird. Nobody really knows. She's they're from a relatively important family, but not a super important family. So that's why her birthday, it's probably a wee bit like. Yeah. So she's born somewhere in the period from 1501 to 1507. See, typo. Like that could be a one or a seven. Where? If, when they're writing down her birthday. <laughs> oh, I think you meant on my notes. No. Um, <laughs> so in, like when they're it writing it down. It could be genuinely. It, it genuinely could be. That because that is the thing, isn't it? Where people's yes. names are spelled because I had because it was scribed in a different I had way. to do that once as part of my master's to yeah. look at old writing and old language. Oh my God, it's horrible. See, so what, so 1501 or 1507, it could just yeah, be. Yeah, or could genuinely be. Ye oldie typo. Ye oldie typo. So Anne Boleyn, she's, she's been born. Let's just, we know that. <laughs> She's born to Sir Thomas Boleyn and to Elizabeth Howard. Elizabeth Howard's family are a very important family. They're the family of the Duke of Norfolk and he's like the premier duke in all of England. So that's quite a big deal. She spends most of her early years in France because her father had worked there and he was an ambassador to to people in France and to the royal family. She's mostly in the household of Queen Claude. And she'd also been in the household of Margaret of Austria, who was a daughter of the Holy Roman Emperor and actually given quite a lot of power and basically ruled like the Netherlands on his behalf and her brother's behalf later. So she's a really influential and important person. This means that Anne has a very different background from most of the other women at the English court. 
and this makes her really stand out when she comes back to England. She has often been described as, this is quite entertaining, I think, sexy rather than beautiful. So it's more like a like a charisma than actually, Catherine's like traditionally beautiful. Yeah. But Anne's like attractive. During this time, so yes. many people did not describe her as sexy. No, they wouldn't have said, 15. they wouldn't have said sexy. Like that's just so How cool. has that been interpreted over because the... Because you can just tell, they can tell by like, the words that are used to describe her, the fact a lot of people talked about her as being attractive, uh-huh. but not they're very specific, like attractive but not, not beautiful. beautiful. So it's more like the way she carries herself. Right. It's her wit and her charm that really attracts the king. She has said to have like, quite piercing eyes right. that like attract people, but it's more her aloofness and the way of getting on and her confidence that attract people rather than actually how good she looks because I think people always assume she must have been so beautiful for Henry too Mm -hmm. and I'm sure she was still nobody said she wasn't like she was ugly or anything but that means but if we're talking about like classic beauty then that's Catherine yeah but the attractiveness is Anne and that's obviously going to stand out in a court where the women are very proper and very and it's not that Anne wasn't proper but she had a very different upbringing, so it just made her look exotic, and mm-hmm. and she was very different than the blonde hair, blonde hair, blue eyed kind of ex- ideal of the time. So yeah. that would have made her very alluring. She actually returns to England around fifteen twenty two, and before even Henry, she turned heads. Henry Percy, who is one of the most important nobles in all of England, son of the Duke of Northumberland, proposed to her because he becomes so infatuated with her, and it's actually has to be called off because of the difference in rank like he is one of the top men in the country and she is not on his level okay and the king himself actually has to get involved this is before him and Anne are well I think at this point Anne has caught his eye so it might be a wee bit of a personal thing for him yeah. too but he also knows no 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 the family this is too big a disparity between them like they can't the Percy's will look like they've lowered themselves to marry her right but then he wants to marry her he doesn't care he's a king he can do what he wants she can't bring down the rank of a king but she can bring down the Percy family pretty much yeah so what it is is the idea will be when Henry does it that it's kind of that romanticism again of um, this is the woman I love it's about love whereas when it's about this it's like oh no no this is an if you ever watch like anything by Jane Austen they always talk about it like being an inappropriate match oh yes it's like inappropriate because she won't bring enough money yeah or status so and then if they had kids people would be like ugh sure i mean it's a person but it's only it's a balloon yeah now obviously we have to remember they're about to skyrocket into the stratosphere but they hadn't at this time so they weren't like a big weren't like a bad match but they weren't what he should have been like. okay Anne has to leave court for a while because this is a big scandal and she's like oh i have to get out of here that's okay henry it's clearly decides he wants a balloon in some way shape or form because he has an affair around about this time with her sister mary balloon and very, very possibly fathered one of her children. So she's married to a friend of his. Right, okay. And she has a couple of kids with him. But it's there's one of the children that looks quite like Henry. And it's around right. that time. So it's very possible that he was the father. Although it's never been confirmed. And the guy that was the father, if you will, always accept that he was the father. Right. Well, as you would. Yeah, when well, you're not going to. That child belongs to the king. Exactly. When Anne returned... Mary had been already kind of thrown to the side. Henry was quite good for that sort of thing. He kind of would like use you and abuse you and just move on. And that's what happened to Mary. He's very interested in her. As we talked about before, she's very attractive and charismatic. And around this time, Catherine was around 40. 
he's in his early 30s still very young and attractive right and as we said before her pregnancies really did take a toll on her she really did like gain a lot of weight and was quite ill and so she's no longer the pretty woman that he's chasing about and then obviously bring in Anne and by contrast she is so exciting and young and new and shiny new thing that's honestly what he's like she's the other woman she's literally the apart from he has lots of other women yeah she's the main other woman let's say it like that (laughs) so Anne is the one thing you have to say she's so smart she's so so smart she sees what happens to her sister yeah sees that she's used and abused because she gives in right away and she does not want the same fate she denies sexual favors to the king but at the same time professing that she's like romantically madly in love with him but you know that it would be wrong for them to to do anything he's married and they're not married to each other and this drives him mad with desire because obviously it's wanting what you can't have but also we said before he's big into the idea of men and women in their traditional places and of this romantic idea of love so that's how it should be a woman should be wanting to marry him yeah but not giving in because that's what a whore would do basically to put it bluntly Jane Kerr and her sister were in cahoots though as no. well. No. No. Okay. Because the sister kind of ends up being shunned by the family because the sister goes off and actually marries someone that she loves and actually has a really nice life with him to the point where even when Anne and her family have the fall, Henry kind of says to her, look, you just, you're okay. You go off and have your life. Whether you like her or don't like Anne, she's definitely a manipulator. And she, the sister's not like that. She's very different and just okay. wants to go off, I think. It's, she's genuinely very devastated when the king calls off. I think she is like like a cr- big crush on him. And she then obviously goes off and has this very different life. But no, I don't think they were ever in cahoots. Because surely, if anything, if your younger sister came in and swept your boyfriend, you'd be rip- ripping. But then she's seeing how... The sister was treated and yes using that to oh yeah she's, even if the Anne's the not. smartest by far mary's just a bit like mary had actually already been a mistress of the french king by this point okay so she's just a wee bit of a what's a nice word a, a woman about town <laughs> and she's <laughs> just loving said, what's the nice word that's not nice well i mean i sort of think like fair play to her she'd do whatever she wants if that was nowadays people would be like yeah get yours girl just enjoying so, herself yeah she's just having a good time but obviously in those times you couldn't do that without getting labelled. She was literally known as the Great Whore. Okay. So not the, the best title. And Anne obviously doesn't want to be known as this. And she's smarter and knows actually how to work and manipulate this man. Henry's really dissatisfied with Catherine. He's sonless. She's not what she used to be. And that's before Anne actually comes on the scene. So nobody's saying that it was her that came in and that was what started it. It was yeah. already a, a ball rolling. But when she comes in, then it makes him more, makes this desire much stronger to get rid of Catherine. And obviously now he thinks, well, not only can I get rid of her, I have someone to replace her. Yeah. Next week, part two of Henry VIII drops. Find out about Catherine of Aragon's divorce trial, the fate of Anne Boleyn, and the daughters both these women give birth to. Listen as Henry turns from the romantic handsome prince to the tyrant that we all know and that his people feared. That's everything from us today. If you liked the episode, you can find and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and other podcast apps. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Helpful Histories as well as HelpfulHistories.com. If you'd like, you can leave a review or share on any of these platforms. 
Thanks for listening and we'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. 